Hi, uh, this is Lorenzo. Welcome to Podcast Open Mic. And I'm talking on Zoom with Wildcat Old Halloran. From, uh, and you're from Western Mass? Yep, beautiful Sunderland, Massachusetts, sometimes known as Slumberland. It's right <laughs> near Amherst, near the University of Massachusetts. Okay. Your band is the, uh, the, the uh, Wildcat O'Halloran band. Halloran band. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Now you're well, releasing your 16th album. Is that yeah, true? every year or so, and we've been playing a long time, we put out a record. We may try to record something in a week and a half. We'll see. It's very tight scheduling now because little Emily Duff, who you'll hear on some of the recorded stuff that I sent you, is joining the U.S. Navy Band, um, which is a band that has a dental plan and a 401k. Oh. <laughs> so we may not see her back for a while. And a three-year commitment. But um, before she does that, she'll be home for a week. She was supposed to be here in time for that Transperformance concert. I'm not sure she's going to make it in time, but she'll do like three or four shows and we'll try to get in the recording studio and record a few tracks. But yeah, we were talking about that concert before we rolled tape. So tell me about that. Uh, uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, which is the artsy community in our area. They um, each year get all their local famous bands to pretend to be somebody else. One year they were Woodstock. Uh, last year they were Live Aid. Everybody had to be somebody that was in Live Aid. And they wanted somebody who plays slide guitar and uh, knows Bo Diddley and drinks a lot to be George Thurgood. So that's last year I was George Thurgood. But this year I'm supposed to be Holland Wolf, um, which I'm not sure if that's going to produce a reaction because I don't look like Holland Wolf. But um, we're going to do like three Holland Wolf songs at this big concert in Northampton in, uh, in Look Park. Um, Northampton refers to itself as the paradise city because somebody about a hundred years ago, uh, visited, um, I'm spacing out the name, but it was a famous opera singer from Europe and she came and she decided this was the best place in America. This must be the paradise of America. Uh -huh. so, and it's still kind of an artsy community. And, uh, so we'll be there next week and I don't know if M's going to make it though. But uh, we'll see if we can squeeze in more recording. But every year or so, we produce an album. And this year's one is currently uh, number 11 in the Roots Music Report. Uh, blues Rock. It's not really a very rocky album. It's, but it's, uh, it's, it's been in the charts since March. Um, but I think we're number 11 this week. Great. Uh, and it refuses to die. Oh, and that album is called You Can't Fall Off the Floor, which seemed appropriate to the year. <laughs> that gone through. Well, how was your pandemic? Um, I was teaching at a community college and I didn't enjoy teaching online that much. It was very mild here. Kathy Peterson, who plays bass for me sometimes, is a uh, medical doctor. Oh, gosh. He had kind of stopped practicing and was just playing with us and fooling around. But she went back thinking they would need her in the pandemic. And then there were not many cases here at first. It was a couple of months before 
all of a sudden they got very busy. And maybe numbers are on the way up again, but we haven't seen it. At this point, there are two counties in Massachusetts that still are not in any kind of alarm status. And the house where I'm sitting as you interview me is right on the line between those two counties. Uh, so we've been lucky. But all music shut down. That What work there was, we got. Like last summer, we played all the places with tents outside their restaurant mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But there was no touring or anything. Right. And then winter was was pretty closed up. But uh, we've worked every weekend since April 17th, knock wood. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. You were able to play anyway. Yeah, we get out there more than most people, so we can't complain. I was looking at uh, some of the bigger Alligator Records artists and stuff, and boy, yeah, they, they went to completely closed up because uh, the larger shows were just too many people for it to be safe. Sure. For us outdoors, it was eh, pretty much safe. So have you had the same lineup uh, for 16 albums? No. No, there's a lot of turnover, although there's some return. Like if you looked back two or three, you'd see somebody. The The lineup on the last album, Kathy was back teaching in the hospital, but Emily was home from the boat. When we're not touring, Emily used to take um, some stints on cruise ships. And when COVID hit, she was in Asia on a boat. And all the tourists wanted to go home and no one would let them land. So for 62 days, they circled around in the Pacific Ocean. They had just been in Thailand, which was not a good place to be when COVID broke out. Right. So 62 days, they circled. They could get fuel, but they couldn't get off. No one would let them uh, unload passengers. Uh, so then they went through the... Uh, the Suez Canal, where nothing ever goes wrong in the Suez Canal. <laughs> um, and they got to the Mediterranean thinking some European country would surely let them land. And the European countries all said no and don't call us surely. Uh, but eventually they went around the tip of Spain to Gibraltar. And they let them take the musicians and some of the crew off. And Gibraltar is a British possession, so they flew to Britain, flew home to Massachusetts, quarantined for 14 days, and I went out and got her in time for the visit to the tent cities. Wow. So it's uh, M. Like the story. It's been on drums for the last three or four albums. And uh, me and Dave Kandarian played bass on the last record. He's like one of the top bassists in Central Mass. He lives near Sturbridge Village, where by law, everything in the town must look colonial. <laughs> the McDonald's must look yeah. colonial. Uh -huh. Gas station has to look colonial. This makes sense to them somehow. Uh, uh, the one that got me, though, was when they made the computer store look colonial. <laughs> Ye old. Computers. The old computers. Yeah. I see you have a guitar in your hand. I do. Uh, this is some nameless resonator that I bought online. And I kind of like it. Um, 
my buddy Paul Callahan and I did some work on it and got it to sort of sound right and not vibrate too much. And I was going to play, if it's all right, one of the one of the Holland Wolf things that we're supposed to do next Tuesday at Trans Performance. Okay, that sounds great. I think people can look that up online. Northampton Arts Council probably puts up a recording of that afterwards. But we'll be, it'll be great to do it live because last year it was Zoom like like this. But I'm going to play uh, uh, one of the things from that, all right? Okay, sounds good. coffee might be a spoonful of tea but just a little spoon of your precious love good enough for me don't you know that women cry about it and men lie about it some people die about it Everybody's fighting about a spoonful, little spoon, little spoon, little spoonful, little spoon, little spoon, little spoonful. Might be a spoonful of diamonds, might be a spoonful of gold, but just a little spoon of your precious love satisfy my soul. Don't you know what men die about it? And women cry about it. Some people even die about it. Everybody's fighting about a spoonful. Little old spoon, little old spoon, little old spoonful. Full of water, save you from the desert sands. But just a little spoon of my precious love, save you from another man. Don't you know people lie about it? And people die about it. Some people cry about it. Everybody's fighting about a spoonful, little old spoon, little old spoon, little old spoonful, little old spoon, little old spoon, little old spoon, little old spoon, little old spoon. Everybody's fighting about a spoonful. Great.
Just like the wolf, but maybe not quite as gravelly as the wolf. I'm the curious. wolf is somebody that, uh, that white people hear him for the first time and they go, why is that man trying to sound like Wolfman Jack? <laughs> but it's really the other way around. I think Wolfman yeah. Jack was trying to sound like him. So I'm curious, when you did uh, uh, last year's um, Live Aid thing, did you reproduce the, uh, the set that... Uh, um, they, it was Zoom, so they had like a, a projection of the park where it usually is behind us, yeah. and then they would cut to the screaming fans of Live Aid, ah. and then they had somebody dressed up as uh, uh, Gorbachev. <laughs> Wasn't he premier in Russia at the time of Live Aid? So they had somebody dressed up as Gorbachev who came on and made announcements on I, – I, didn't follow whether that it was kind of funny it was also kind of weird um but um we played on a sound stage in northampton at the arts center and i remember i had the the vox amplifier i had just bought an old 60s vox um looked like i was going to be in the beatles because i thought that would be something that george thurgood would think was cool and i had the kerchief around my neck like he would wear in the live age show um so whatever but um some people really dress up and play the part and some people don't <laughs> but it's 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 pretty it's pretty wild we had three uh young girls from the uh, music uh the institute for the musical arts who were uh doing queen and they were doing the freddie mercury and they were great oh. and a lot of the People that I've known for years that are, you know, closer to my age um, did, I don't know, whoever was in Live Aid. And I don't know, but we were, uh, we were George Thurgood. And um, I'm not a big George Thurgood fan. I love that he, that he, what he did for the popularity of the blues. But um, I started answering the interview questions at that show like I was George of the Jungle. <laughs> I don't. I don't think people understood what the heck I was doing. But George, George liked concerts. <laughs> and you had, and I guess someone played uh, uh, Phil Collins and flew from uh, yeah London to uh, Philadelphia in a Concorde. Yeah. Right, right. And hey, they really did those things then, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a whole different world now, but. We'll see. They're going to let us do this one live. Northampton's been pretty strict about the rules all through COVID, but they're letting us do this as a live concert. No masks. I, I, I took the vaccine. I don't want to get into politics on your show, but uh, we've got the medicine and we don't want to take it. That blows my mind. Yeah, I'm with you. I know I'm grossly oversimplifying. Yeah, 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 I know I am. But the short version is, We've got the goddamn medicine, and we don't want to take it. Yeah, I'm oh, with you. I'm with you. We'll move on. Do you want to play something uh, original? Sure. Um, yeah. I I tell audiences this story, and it still seems to get a laugh. But uh, this this next song I'm going to play for you, I wrote in 2011, and I was so happy with how this song came out that I immediately entered it in a songwriting contest called The Best Song in the World. Doesn't that sound important, though? Yeah. 
Yeah, the best song in the world. So what if I told you, Lorenzo, that right now I was going to play you the 2011 best song in the world, Runner Up? I'm ready. <laughs> Runner Up. Ain't Runner that up. the okay. right there? Ain't that the story of my life? But maybe you all like it. Speaking of gross oversimplification of complex issues, this is called If God Can Make That, no wonder he's in charge. Well, I don't mean no disrespect, nor to act the fool. And I know this ain't how they teach it down in Sunday school. But when I look at you, baby, one thought looms large, if God can make that, no wonder he's in charge. Now I don't study sunsets or art history, but when it comes to pretty girls, I got me an advanced degree. And when I look at you, baby, it's plain to see, if God can make that. It's all right with me. Lines. I got to believe in intelligent design. I don't mean to seem like an old man leering, but I got to respect that level of engineering. It may be a gross oversimplification of a complex theological situation. But when I look at you, baby, one thought looms large. God can make that. No wonder he's in charge. Well, I said, what I think and I mean what I say. When God created you, he must have bragged for days. I know sometimes he likes to show who's boss, but this kind of work is just showing off. It may be a ghost oversimplification of a complex theological situation. But when I look at you, baby, one thought looms large. God can make that. No wonder he's in charge. Mm. Look at us go. The yeah. 2011 best song in the world. Runner up, oh. yeah. To go with all my other runner up trophies, <laughs> I'm gonna knock out a wall of the house just for the 
the wing that has all the runner-up trophies in it. So was the winner the best song in the world, really? <laughs> that was the runner-up. And a pretty little UMass girl came up to me in a bar here in Slumberland, uh, Sunderland, and she says, Mr. Wildcat, why don't you play the winning song from the best song in the world? We'd all like to hear the winning song. <laughs> and I looked at her kind of sad. And I said, darling, I did not write no winning song. Wrote the doggone runner-up, but I'm not upset. The one that really got me upset was a couple of years ago, there was an Eric Clapton contest sponsored by Ernie Ball Strings. Okay. And you had to get your friends and fans to watch videos. And each time they watched, that was a vote for you. And we got some like 15,000 votes, probably 5,000 votes more than anybody else. And they sent me an email saying, congratulations, you are the first prize winner. And Emily was on the boat, I remember. And I emailed her and I said, you got to get off the boat. You got to come home. We're going to Dallas. We're going to play with Eric Clapton. I did not read the fine print, which explained that first prize winner was not the same as grand prize winner. Oh. That would have been some key information to have right there, wouldn't it? So I got like six sets of strings, really good strings uh, from Ernie Ball. I got a strap and a cord, but I did not go to Dallas and play with Eric Clapton. And right after that, he stopped touring for a while. Remember when he said he had neuropathy in his hands? And I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's just fine. <laughs> so but they didn't do the contest the next year anyway. But I got a lot of those runner-up trophies. But speaking of legends, I read in your bio that you uh, backed up uh, Bo Diddley. Yes. Yes. People still ask me about that. Um, Bo came to Northampton, and we were selected as the band that was going to be the the Bill Bo Diddley band for the night, right? The same thing that Chuck Berry used to do, pick up a local band, right? And he's going to come to rehearsal at 5 o'clock and tell you what he wants. Well, he didn't come to rehearsal at 5 o'clock. About 7 o'clock, he strolled in and he started talking about peace and love and the other thing. And he never really did get around to giving us much instruction. But when the show started, he starts yelling at the drummer. And uh, yelling at the drummer. He went back and played the drum kit himself for a minute. He's yelling at the drummer, yelling at the drummer. And finally, uh, the guy who was playing keyboards is yelling to the drummer, play a polka. And Dave Fandeman was the drummer. And he's like, what? Play a polka. So Dave starts playing a polka. And Bo Diddley gets a big smile on his face and is happy for the rest of the show. Because apparently what he wanted for the Bo Diddley beat was not the Bo Diddley beat that everybody learns. No, no, he wanted the polka. So he was all happy. Oh, and I remember two-thirds of the way through that show, he says over the microphone, we sure are having a lot of fun up here, but I'm getting awful thirsty. The problem is I only drink Grand Marnier, which is uh, a drink that in a bar even then was probably $14. Yeah. Well, 42 people tried to say they bought Bo Diddley a drink. 42 shots of Grand Marnier. Even Bo couldn't drink that many. So I'm handing three to the bass player and three to the drummer, and I'm drinking a couple but the bar must have thought, wow, the cash registers were really ringing tonight. We got to have Bo Diddley again. But Bo's left us. Bo has passed uh, by now. But, yeah. But those were my Bo Diddley stories. Same place had Greg Allman, I remember. 
And that was the same week that Cher was on television saying what a horrible father he was. And I'm like, uh, well, I guess, guess we won't ask him about that at the show. <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, we backed up or opened up for a lot of people. James Cotton, when he was losing his voice, didn't want an electric band for the whole show. So he had just him and Luther Tucker and he had us come up for like the last three songs. Luther Tucker broke a string on his guitar and I jumped up and took his. So yeah, we, you know, we met the, the blues people. I got to say, we're always nicer than the rock and roll people, but everybody was pretty much okay. Ah, that's great. So how did you become Wildcat? Um, I got tired of being Wild Bill, I think. And then I, I was like, well, Wild Willie sounds kind of wimpy and <laughs> uh, Wild Guy sounds like kind of androgynous. And, so I don't know, but I just decided I would be Wildcat. And one thing about being Wildcat O'Halloran is it makes it hard for drunk girls to call the house the next morning because they can't find that name in the phone book. <laughs> Great. So growing up, who, who are your heroes? Well, it's a very typical thing for someone in my demographic to say the Beatles. And that was a major, that was a major lightning strike right there. And then to say, well, I heard Eric Clapton or the Animals or somebody, uh, you know, uh, on their records, it would say the name of these other blues artists. And then I went to find them. And that is something that happened for me. I bought all those Animals records right after they were marked down when the animals weren't the hot young thing from Liverpool anymore. Mm -hmm. I bought all those records. They'd have the hit that was on the radio and all the rest of the album would be blues and Hilton Valentine. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of people who have left us, but uh, Hilton Valentine would play the blues scale, but he wasn't real fast, but, and sometimes he would play straight across the guitar like this. And I don't think all those notes are actually right in blues, but it was easy to follow for a kid. And uh, I, I wore out those records trying to play like Hilton. But, but see, Hilton, I think Hilton at that time was drinking what they called Carl Perkins screwdrivers. Okay, Carl Perkins that? screwdrivers, that's when you take a bottle of orange juice and a bottle of vodka and you just put them both up to your mouth and you let them blend in there internally. Oh, my. So that'll make you play funny. But, <laughs> but I, I loved him to death. I see his wife post stuff on Facebook. So if she sees this, I hope she's not mad for me for telling that story on. But, but I wore those records out. And, you know, Hendrix, I, I can honestly say that when the first Hendrix album came out, I did not know, I could not understand that those sounds were being made by a guitar. I assumed there was some kind of computer Moog signal generator synthesizer. Nope, that was all him. He could he could take he could take this guitar and make most of those sounds. Maybe not the feedback ones. Should we play a cut from the album? The yes, please. Album. Um. Well, if you want to stay with the Howlin' Wolf theme, you could play "Worried, Worried About You," or you could play one of mine. Let's play one of yours. Um. Okay. Um. The only serious song you've already heard one of my kind of fooling around songs but that uh crossing off song is a pretty little love song that i wrote a few years ago and i have to say the first time that i played that in public people expected a jokey song from me 
So they kept like waiting to laugh <laughs> when I got to the like the key lines. But but uh, go go ahead and play that one if you would. That's probably the best thing I ever wrote. Okay, great. Crossing off, Marquette O'Halloran. Guess that's why I've been getting the blues I don't know if it's right I don't know if it's fair I'm so damn confused now I don't know if I can But I'm crossing you off the list of the people who understand me Problem is You were the only one there I'm crossing you off the list Of the people I want to be with Though I'm sure gonna miss your smile I'm crossing you off the list Of the people I'll ever let hurt Though I'm sure I'm gonna be hurting for a while I'm crossing you off Off of all of my lists Though I'm gonna miss you for your eyes and your kiss Crossing you off the list Of folks who understand me Thing is You were the only name on that list
crossing you off the list of the people I want to talk to. People in whom I might confide. Yes, I'm crossing you off the list of the folks I'd go to war with. You can go ahead and join the other side. I won't have no more hopes or dreams or fears to share. In a couple more beers, I probably won't even care. But I'm crossing you off the list. Of people who understand me. Problem is, yours was the only name there. Thank is, yours was the only name there. So what's your writing process like? Oh, I don't know if this is typical. I don't think it is. But this is mostly how it works for me is I get a title. If I get a title that I think is really catchy and expresses an idea simply, the thing writes itself after that. I've written songs. Everybody says that when you... Uh, Think of something while you're sleeping or just waking up from sleeping. Make sure you write it down. And that's been true for me. I've forgotten things that I said, oh, I'll write that in the morning. But uh, if I get a title, that usually helps, especially if it's one of the funny ones. Like, if God can make that, no wonder he's in charge. Okay, mm -hmm. we kind of know where we're going with that. I was just thinking about redoing one of mine from the olden days called, If You Ever Need a Friend, Buy a Dog. <laughs> I think you can figure out how that one probably goes. Yeah. Um, some uh, magazine, what was it called? Lyric Writers? Oh, Right Away. Right Away spelled like writing a yeah. song. Right Away magazine used to have me contribute articles. And around Christmas time, I gave them the analysis of my song, All I Want for Christmas is a Divorce. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious where that's going to go right now. You just got to put the rhymes together and the blues form is. I mean, we stretch it a little. The, the blues, uh, the blues foundation people don't always like some of the liberties we take with the form. But the blues form means you're going to have these chords and, you know, you're going to probably have this kind of few choices of rhythm. And so off we go. But that's how I that's how I write songs is I start with a title almost always. The next album, will, the, the one that I like the best of the new crop of songs is going to be called uh, Here's, Here Lies a Fool. Ah. It's going to be like a retrospective on what they're going to say in a few more years when they pull the guitar out of my cold, dead fingers. Yeah. So uh, besides a new album, what do you have planned uh, besides? Uh... Being Howlin' Wolf. We're Howlin' Wolf, and then we're uh, at the Heath Fair in uh, Massachusetts. GPS can't even find Heath 
but it's a big deal to the people there and it's a it's a big show that and the hollow wolf show will be will be big there's four or five hundred people already responded they're coming to that, that that's a big deal then uh, we're going up to emily's hometown on the 22nd to play in lee and lee is more western massachusetts than us if you go west out of lee you're in new york state wow. um but she lives in one of those towns on the mountaintops uh, i want to say beckett where it's probably snowing right now in beckett massachusetts they get the worst weather and i used to work for a service company that would send me to uh, beckett or blanford or one of those uh berkshire towns and they'd say hey, it's on top of a mountain and it's snowing i'm like uh that's redundant it's always on top of a mountain if it's in that town and it's always snowing but uh, we're going up there to play on the 22nd. I think that's a daytime, like a noontime show. And then September, there's a few private parties. And then we're going to see the Boy Scouts in Rhode Island. Every year we go to see the, the Rhode Island Scoutmasters. Oh, and then we're going to uh, Godna Oktoberfest. And there's videos on YouTube of the last time we did that. Um, you can see Nick Moss's band walking around behind the stage. This year, I think Cat Riggins is the headliner. But um, at that show, the headliner plays at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and then scoots to Boston for a nighttime show. Ah. So we actually play after the more famous people usually at that show. So they think that they're opening for us. And I don't <laughs> think anybody's fooled, but, but we'll be doing that stuff. Maybe by next summer, I can get a tour together. I know there's some people in Virginia that want us. Uh, you know, I don't know. Or is COVID going to come back and we're all going to shut down again? I, I don't know that. But Yeah, yeah. I'm learning uh, about COVID in uh, the past tense. Yeah, I thought it was in the past tense, too, at least in Massachusetts, where we have a high vaccination rate, but it doesn't really matter if you have a high vaccination rate, if it morphs and mutates someplace else where they don't and then comes to you. I mean, we'll have we'll have the five college area. All the five colleges will be bringing back people from all around the globe yeah. in what, three or four more weeks. Yeah, I'm sure they can bring us some new variant <laughs> if they want. Would you or like to play us out with something? What's that? Play out with something? Sure. Um, why don't I, let me see if I can even remember. See if I can even remember if you ever need a friend by a dog. Well, you're a mean mistreater, a liar and a cheater. You jumped on me just like a frog. Threw away my trust, or I'll trust you again. I'd rather sleep out in a hollow log. You bit the hand that used to feed you. Thank God, baby, I learned to read you. If you ever need a friend, baby. If you ever need a friend, yeah. Go buy a dog. Well, baby, we was mellow. You 
called me a fine fellow, then you took me for all you could hog. Well, you won me and dined me while you fed me, you bled me. In your master plan, I was just a cog. One thing I'd like to say, don't go away mad, just go away. If you ever need a friend, baby, if you ever need a friend, yeah, buy a dog, buy a dog, buy a dog. All right. Well, I remember that. Has Jan unreleased, huh? Uh, that'll probably be back on the new record. It's on one of those ones from 10 years ago. I don't even remember which one. I had somebody call me this summer and they wanted to hire me with the Harp Girls who were these sweet young things that used to uh, be like the chorus, like the, the girl singers. And that we had a couple songs like where they were on the other end of a phone line or where they were, uh, uh, I don't know. But in any event, I said to them, the Harp Girls, I think at this point, are on the mommy track but i can call them and see if they could get away but um you know we we do some recycling of stuff but um yeah i have no idea what album uh you buy a dog was on but it's out there someplace along with christmas divorce and uh i don't know uh, i just tend to, oh uh uh there's one called you got more faces in a deck of cards. That's only a couple records ago. Oh, you know, we can't you. re-release that one yet. She's got more faces in a deck of cards. All right. Well, good talking to you, Lorenzo. Yeah. Do you ever make it up to Maine? We uh, we made it up to Rockport. Uh, it's a few years ago to the Time Out Pub. I think they're closed now, but we'll get up there eventually. They play us on a few stations up there. A lot of blues fans in Maine. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll get yeah. back up there eventually. Okay, well, give me, let me know. I'll and, give you a uh, shout when we do know. that. Absolutely. Thank you. See you, boys and girls. Well, that was a lovely chat I had with uh, Wildcat O'Halloran. And uh, okay, so it took me a while to get this podcast up because I've been having some uh, computer boo boos, but luckily, I'm able to come into the uh, WMPG production studio. So that's where I'm producing this today. Um, so I plan to release something every two weeks. Uh, some will be new. I got a few people uh, asking to be on the podcast, which is great. And I've got a bunch of uh, broadcasts of uh, podcasts open mic on the radio that have only aired once. So... Time to bring them up as a podcast as well. And please, if you want to uh, be on the podcast, did I say podcast enough? Get in touch with me at podcast, open mic, that's M-I-C, at gmail.com. And uh, we'll chat and uh, yeah. So it's uh, great to be in the WMPG production studio again, to be allowed back in the studios. I would love to do a live show one day, but, you know, who knows? And in a couple of weeks, we'll have 
Frank Panisi and Peggy Mead. They did a podcast with them like on the radio. That was a great show. Recorded outdoors. I'm Lorenzo. And we'll talk again soon.